Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 154. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Welcome back to Therapy Chat. I was planning to bring you new content again last week, but due to some personal issues, I was not able to get my episode together. But I'm back here now, and I hope that you're going to enjoy listening. My guest today is Robin Brickell, LMFT. Robin is someone who is a group practice owner. Um, specializing in trauma. And I think she's pretty amazing. And she has a blog that she puts out regularly. And every time I read her blog articles, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like totally spot on. Half the time I feel like it's what I would have written if I had time to blog anymore. (laughs) And I came across one article that Robin wrote that was called Nine Signs You Need Better Self-Care and Maybe a Trauma Survivor. And as always, when I read a blog post and I think about sharing it with my audience or with my clients, I want to read it first, you know, not just skim through it or read the headline and share it. But I was like, okay, so what has she got to say? And I started reading it. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, self-care is important. Yeah, yeah. Then I started reading the nine signs you need better self-care due to trauma. And I got so, I started feeling these weird feelings. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I've got these. I mean, I was just like, darn it. (laughs) As I read down the list, I was like, oh, I have that one, that one, that one. (laughs) And the reason why I was so frustrated about it was because it, it reminded me at the time when I read it that I had been neglecting my own self-care And yes, I am a trauma survivor. So if I am reading this and I'm recognizing myself in it, while I didn't like that, it was a good reminder to stop neglecting my own needs and get back to practicing self-care. And then this article, she gives specific examples. So when Robin and I wanted to talk, we were going to talk about this article and we did in the episode you're about to hear that was what our interview was about, but we didn't actually talk about what the article says. So I'm going to preview for you. uh, What are the nine signs that you need better self-care due to trauma? And then you can hear Robin and I talking about it in our interview. She says, you may not be giving yourself the self-care you need if number one, you avoid going to the doctor. Number two, you sleep poorly without looking at what you need to sleep better. And I hear that from people all the time. Oh, yeah, I sleep about three hours a night. That's all I need. Well, really, we do need more than that. Let's face it. Number three, you seek comfort from food, especially unhealthy foods, or your relationship with food is a constant struggle for you. Number four, you dismiss your body's need for healthy exercise. Number five, you often reject the idea of asking for help. Number six, you overschedule yourself as a way of life. Number seven, you regularly use alcohol or another substance as a way of relaxing. Number eight, 
You use pain like digging your fingernails into your skin when you're overwhelmed. I think so many people do that and just do not have conscious awareness of it. I've been learning more about that in sensory motor psychotherapy. And I've noticed people doing that who clearly don't realize they're doing it. It's very interesting. And number nine, money causes you a great deal of stress. So in the article, Robin goes into detail about what those things look like and then what good self-care looks like for people who are having these issues. But what I love about this article is that people who read this article may do just the same thing I did. And even though it might make you mad, if you do have these behaviors and you have experienced trauma in your life, this article kind of puts together for you that you may be affected by your trauma more than you thought you were. And I think that's a very valuable thing to understand because the whole thing about trauma is that it's so insidious and, you know, you might be 46 years old like me, might be 65, 81 or whatever age you are and you have experienced trauma, but you have no idea that the way you feel and the way you felt basically your whole life is related to those past experiences. So why don't you settle in and listen to my interview with Robin Burkell. We recorded this on a Friday in September, September 28th, when there was a lot of news that was extremely triggering to trauma survivors. I've been hearing about it in my practice for weeks. So many people have been affected by what's happening in our current cultural moment. And so we were recording within the context of that when we talked on September 28th. And I hope that you will find this conversation to be helpful and that you'll feel supported. We gave a lot of tips about self-care in this discussion. So hope you enjoy it. And thanks as always for listening to Therapy Chat. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly, My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend therapy notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I am very honored and, as always, excited to have a wonderful guest with me. My guest today is Robin Brickell, LMFT. Robin, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today. Thank you, Laura, for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm honored to be here. Yay. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) So I wanted you to be my guest on Therapy Chat because I've first I became aware of your work through Lisa Ference and I've seen so many things you've written and so many trainings that you've offered, which I haven't attended, but I've at least seen what you were putting out there and just realized that you and me are totally on the same page with the way we see our work with trauma and the best ways to help people who've experienced trauma. So I wanted to have you on so you can talk about what you do and so people can hear from you and find out where they can learn more of what you do, because I think it will benefit everyone who's listening. So I'm grateful that you agreed to, to come on and I'll let everybody know that we are also becoming friends in real life too, because we have, (laughs) (laughs) we have spent some time together and really clicked. So I just want to, you know, again, thank you for, for coming on to therapy chat and let's start out though, just by letting our audience know, if you would, a little bit more about you and your work. Absolutely, Laura. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I have a practice where I employ other therapists as well in Alexandria, Virginia. And we treat older adolescents, individuals, couples, and families from a real strengths-based trauma-informed model. I grew up in the therapy world in a systems-based program, which is what a marriage and family therapy program is. And what that does for me is allow me to see things a lot more holistically, and it feels very comfortable for me. And I I really enjoy, I'm, as you know, I'm so passionate about what I do and the understanding of trauma and what people use to regulate their emotions from a trauma base and how to bring compassion to people so that they, they are able to heal, so that they're able to build attachments and heal. Yes. And our cultural climate today and recently has been really intense with stories that have been in the news that can be very, very triggering for so many trauma survivors. And just there's this real feeling of like intensity and kind of a, kind of a, like an ugly, you know, negative energy out there right now that I think is affecting, I know so many of my clients and me at times, and pretty much everyone I'm talking to. So I think that what we wanted to talk about today and what we were planning to talk about already is really timely considering how much of just this, the collective consciousness is absorbed with this, this traumatic material right now. I think it's, it's ironic in our timing and our planning, given kind of the climate and how people are feeling and, and, and what they need and what we as therapists need as well as you and I were talking earlier, just sort of being able to take care of ourselves is so important. Exactly. So what I wanted to talk about today in particular that really relates to this is your, your blog post you wrote in March of 2018, which, Mm -hmm. you know, since I follow you on social media, I see 
every time something new comes out. And I always read them and I think they're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Mutual admiration society wow. here. Thank you. Thank you. So this one's called Nine Signs You Need Better Self-Care and Maybe a Trauma Survivor. And I read it and I was thinking, oh, wow, this looks so good. I want to really like share this with my clients because, well, you know, everyone who comes to work with me, if they didn't realize that they had a trauma history before they came, uh, once we do our assessment and, you know, I start giving them psychoeducation about trauma, they recognize that there have been some experiences in their past that could be traumatic and that the way they're you know, symptoms are showing up does indicate that the traumatic events are affecting them. So it's really not so much my clients, but it's more people who don't know that they may be affected by trauma, but, but they have had those experiences in their past. I just see that as such a common thing where people just, they've been through terrible things. They know that those things were really hard, but they don't realize that they could have been traumas. Mm-hmm. Or that the the impact is so huge. I think that for me, for my practice, so many clients, potential clients call looking for therapy around feeling depression or anxiety or some mood instability, some attention issues, exactly use of substances or self-harm or or food or et cetera. And as we start to delve in, really looking at sort of what happened to them in their lives and how their presentation, their symptomology, the way in which they cope really makes sense to me and how to be able to explain that to them in a way that given their history, the way in which they're coping, they're trying to survive, they're doing whatever they can to regulate their emotions just makes sense and how to bring some compassion to that for themselves, you know, for others in their life, um, et cetera, I think is, is so huge. Um, I think that that's a lot of what shows up in my office. I think your office, et cetera, not always people naming that there's trauma. Sometimes we have that, but, but not, but not always, I think. Very much so. And so when we're talking about trauma, we're talking about, you know, events that were overwhelming for the person at the time when they happened and were experienced as something that the person couldn't, couldn't live through, basically. How do you, how do you want to describe it? <laughs> um, I, I think that and that sometimes trauma becomes also just the way in which they live their life. So it can also be sort of how you're taught as a child to live and you or I might see that now as sort of profound neglect. I think that that's, that can be, you know, hugely traumatic for people. I think there are the, the known traumas that people know. So, you know, kind of abuse at whatever form or something really horrible or terrible happening in their life. I think that a lot of times people see those as traumatic, I think they have a harder time seeing the attachment related traumas being traumatic in their life. And so I think those are really important too. And sometimes, you know, are part of kind of how trauma continues to happen in their life. So I'll just add that on to your definition. How's that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So 
I do want to clarify because I was coming up with that off the cuff, but it's it's not always something that is actually a life threat. But what I meant was that it's experienced at the time as something that the person wouldn't be able to handle. They couldn't get through, which can and that's that's the more shock trauma definition. And then the attachment trauma piece is more of maybe what was missing, the needs that were there for the developing child, even emotionally, not just physically, that weren't being met. Yeah, absolutely. You know, growing up in a household with a depressed parent, with a really anxious parent, you know, all of those things that could end up feeling traumatic and also you know, a lot of a lot of trauma survivors negate that things were traumatic, like, oh, it was fine. This was just the way that I grew up. It wasn't it wasn't a big deal. And when when you and I sit and listen and are present with them and really kind of dig into how much impact that continues to have on them, you know, we can look at, wow, that that really was traumatic for you. That really was, you know, a really important piece in your developmental stage and your development as a human being and how you view life. I think that that's, that's so important. Sometimes we don't see the impact until so many years later. Yes, absolutely. And I guess, I guess I'm thinking there of what you're saying. I'm thinking about like, wow, you needed someone to, you know, help you with your emotions and nobody Mm -hmm. could. The adults, Mm -hmm didn't even know how to handle their emotions, so they couldn't help you with yours. And so that's something that seems like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, it. what I see is it, it deeply and profoundly impacts people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you kind of develop a, an identity around that your needs don't matter mm-hmm. or that your mm-hmm. feelings are something to avoid experiencing you know, and of course we we're human, we're wired to feel our emotions. It's part of us. And wired to connect. So when we have when we grow up in an area and in a household where we aren't able to get our needs met, you know, that that wiring for connection, you know, really has an impact on us when we don't have it. You know, that those those attachment wounds can be so huge and they dependent upon, you know, how old the child is or when that happens, you know, that impacts the way in which they do relationships possibly their whole life or until they decide to do it differently. Yes. And since we're wired for connection problems in relationships, that's definitely one of the biggest things that brings people in to see me is that, you know, they want closer relationships, but they don't, know how to be close because they haven't really experienced that or they fear, you know, once they get close, it feels unsafe or, you know, someone who they are in a relationship with an intimate partner may be very emotionally unavailable. And that maybe seemed safe at first, but now it feels like a reliving of not being seen when they were a child. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of that seeking safety kind of how how do we find that you know how do we 
how do we do that? And for some of our trauma survivor clients, I think that they are so aware, like, I can't get what I want, but I know I want it. And, and how do I get there? Like, how, how do I learn how to trust? Why do I not trust anyone? Why, why do I have a hard time even taking in a compliment? Why do I have a hard time, you know, sort of functioning? Why do I live in sort of this hyper or hypo arousal? And what do I do about it? You know, like, I don't, I don't want to be here forever. Yeah, it seems impossible to change. Yeah, and it's, and you and I both know that it is possible to change. Oh, yes. And, 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 and sometimes it comes with a lot of hard work and it is possible. You know, I think that that's the huge value of, of what we get to do. We get to see that, that experience, that change, that hope for people every day. I mean, I think we are so lucky in what we get mm-hmm. to do. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. you do. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I was in um, sensory motor psychotherapy training. Um, I'm in level two, as you know. And mm-hmm. in the we just finished a weekend of training. But in the weekend we had before that, we always do a mindfulness. And the he said the the person who was leading the training said, "Remember that." being a therapist is a spiritual path. And I just started crying. I was like, Oh my gosh, yes, I totally feel that way. It's like a, you know, you're on your own journey of personal growth and you're walking alongside other people on their journeys of personal growth, which is like the most incredible honor. And that was just so poignant to me. So it reminded me when you said that. Yeah, no, that I, I really believe that to be true. And as, as you know, I have taken the sensory motor level one and level two. And I think it's, it's such a hugely important training for therapists. You do do some of your own work in there, as well as learn how to present this and work with it with our clients. And I think it's, it's, it's such a profound training. I think that it's, it's, it's fairly awesome and, and exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's hard, but it's not mm-hmm. like anything else I've ever done. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm so I, I'm so excited to hear your journey on that and that you love it. So I think that that's great. Thank you. So let's talk about how it is that I guess first of all, in your article, you talk about how there are some kind of signs that show up that let people know that they may be a trauma survivor or and we'll, we're using trauma and attachment as both under the umbrella of trauma for our conversation. So can you kind of elaborate a little bit on some of the ways that someone might become tuned into the possibility that the way they feel could indicate that they are affected by trauma? Sure. I think that there are lots of, of ways and some of which I, I put in the article around what might show up for you and what might be clues. I think some of the, the big ones are, you know, this feeling of I don't deserve self-care or I don't have to make time for it or it's just not something that fits into my life because there are usually reasons why that shows up. Like, you know, it wasn't valued 
in my family of origin, or it's, you know, something that was actually, you know, found to be selfish or, you know, just scary. Like, and I think that that's a huge, a huge piece. I mean, so many of my trauma survivor clients, like they just don't even understand what self-care looks like and what it is and how it can come in small little bits every day or big things um, and how hugely important it is. I mean, I've written a couple of articles on self-care and why it's important and how it fuels us to keep going. But I think there are so many other things, you know, things I see with trauma survivors that I mentioned in the article are, you know, sort of a struggle even to go to the doctor to do what you need to do for an element of self-care, but an element of physical care. Like I deserve health. I deserve for someone to check this out and to look at it and to, to notice what's going on with me. You know, I think that the ability to take in something good, I think I wrote the article on sort of how hard it was to take in compliments you know, just to be able to kind of take in something positive, take in a belief about myself as, you know, is is so hard for some people to take in that, you know, compassion for myself, like it makes sense. And I'm doing the best I can. And, and it's okay, I'm okay, I think is is so huge. You know, I think that there's so many pieces for me as a therapist that that set up a little bit of a uh, hmm like a question I'm curious you know where does where does this belief of you don't deserve it come from yeah yeah when you were talking I thought of two things one is we may have a core belief that I'm not allowed to receive care you know that comes from a childhood experience of not being cared for or that someone else's <laughs> needs had to come before yours, whether it was the parent or other sibling. So, you know, it's like, I'm not allowed to need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not allowed or I'm not allowed to show anyone that I need because on the outside, it has to look like it has to look perfect. It has to look like the white picket fence. Everyone has to think I've got it all together because not having it all together is, is unacceptable or, you know, makes you feel weak or, or something. There's, there's a, there's a belief that came that got developed for you somehow. And sometimes we don't even know we have those beliefs. Right. Exactly. I think, I think for a lot of people, sometimes they don't know that they have those beliefs until they, until they really sit with some of these ideas, until people are asking more questions or dig a little bit deeper into, you know, why isn't that the case? You know, when, when I say something complimentary or nice or positive to a client and they squirm or they can't take in that piece, you know, when I ask about, tell me about that. Tell me, what do you notice inside yourself when, when that happens and et cetera. And, you know, sometimes taking in compliments wasn't safe. That could have been, you know, part of their, their cycle of abuse. And so I think it's really our job to be able to sit and notice and ask questions and to teach our clients to be compassionate, that it makes sense why they do what they do. And, 
And that's been the life that they've led and the trauma has continued to impact them. And, and we can work on that. You know, we can work on building safety emotionally, physically, et cetera, in their life today. Yeah, that how you feel doesn't have to be how it's always going to be. It's just in this yeah. moment or in the way it's always been for you before now. Right. So far. Way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I think, I think it is our job as therapists to provide hope and the knowledge that things, that things can change. Um, because I think for so many people, they just have no idea how it feels so overwhelming or so out of control. But even if they want to feel different, they just they just really don't know how. And that's, I think, again, one of the awesome parts of our jobs that we get to like, have at least some idea on how to facilitate that. Yeah. And I think too the understanding of child development, where you know what a child's normal developmental needs are and attachment needs mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to say, but every child needs to know that they can be safe and that their caregivers are interested in them and, you know, mm -hmm. happy to see them and, yeah, and, and, and hold them physically yes. and emotionally in whatever space they're in so that, you know, that's how, how, how resolve and resilience are built too. Like, I know I can get through this because I've, it happened, you know, it happened in my childhood. My caregiver was there to help me, you know, process this and get through it. And I wasn't alone. I think so much of that is, you know, trauma survivors feel so alone in their pain that nobody's going to get it. Nobody's going to be there for them in a safe way. And so I think our job as therapists comes, comes down to also being really present with them and, and consistent, you know, building kind of that secure, securely attached relationship that, that maybe they never had. And one that could be so reparative for them to learn how to do it and then take it into their, their real lives outside of our office. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. And sometimes it's like there's a lot of educating that just their relationship, the therapeutic relationship by being. Now, I want to say not every therapist knows how to create a securely attached relationship with clients. And, and naturally, as humans, we therapists don't all have our own secure attachment that we come into our practice with. But when we can create that secure attachment relationship in our, you know, in our work with our clients, that's part of the healing power of therapy. That's the intangible thing that, you know, you can't really grasp it. And people are like, so what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> right now we're just getting to know each other better. So, or I'm getting to know you better so that you can mm -hmm. feel comfortable to talk to me about how your life has been and to have a space to examine, be curious about mm -hmm. the way yeah, you and, feel and to express. Yeah. So we're, we're building safety. We're building consistency. We're building in those, that beginning part, we're building that, you know, that curiosity where their, their thoughts, their opinions, their feelings really matter to us. We're really present with them. And for, for some trauma survivors, 
I think that nobody's ever really been present with them. Sometimes therapy could be the first time. And, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, some, not all therapists come to the table with their own secure attachment. Hopefully most have done some work to build their own attachment and security and stability. I think that that's so important for therapists to be able to honor their own need for work and, and therapy and, 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 and really just own that. But I think that, you know, sometimes our clients are just, they're, they're so in need of someone to be present with them. You know, I think about way back in grad school, you know, the basic premise of like Carl Rogers and, and person-centered therapy and how much that that really resonates with being present and mindful and, and noticing and curious with our clients. I think that that's such a mainstay for, for trauma therapy, for sure. Yeah. Unconditional positive regard. You got it. You got it. And, and I think that's, that's of such, I think that's of such value. I think that really, I think that really is, especially in the day and age of, you know, so much technology and so much like texting and not really being present with people. Just, you know, the fact that we're, we're present in that moment is, I think, so important. So, so important, you know, it makes me sound like a dinosaur, but, uh, you know, I would love to be face to face or in person with someone so much more than text or et cetera. Yeah, it's that really weird conflict between this fast paced world where you have to be doing everything so fast, so fast, so fast. Mm-hmm. And that means no time for in-person connection and no time to make a phone call and set something up. It's like zip, 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 zip. And I've, I've fallen to that. And it's probably one of, uh, if it's not on your list, maybe should be. <laughs> <laughs> I think on some level we all fall into that, especially because we're, we're connected on some level through technology all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's just keeping up with that is so, is so hard. Yeah, it is. Well, let's just shift into a little bit since things are really tense right now for so many people and everything I'm seeing on social media and, and the people that I've come into contact with directly in my life over the past few weeks and particularly the past two days, including today, it's just so many people saying, I know I am a trauma survivor and I am so triggered by everything that's been going on, everything I'm hearing about. What would you suggest? Do you have any like self-care tips you can throw out for this moment, this moment in our culture and and moments like this, which, you know, that's the thing about life. There are many moments like this. Yeah, I think that I think that developing some some self-care plans are so huge. And I think that I write about it a fair, a fair bit. You know, I talk about self-care in this particular article. I wrote a whole article on like wearing my fuzzy slippers because I thought like self-care is so important. I think, you know, number one with all that's going on in the world right now, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the news, like go for a walk, sit calmly, 
take some of that that stimuli out. Um, I think that that could be hugely self-care, health self-caring in this place where we are in right now. I also think like, you know, to be able to do the little things like, you know, having your favorite cup of tea, you know, putting on your fuzzy slippers. You know, I talk about in, in the article that I wrote, like, that's the first thing I do when I come home at night. Like, mm. it's so grounding for me and it's self-care. It's, oh, I'm home. Like, you know, this is, this is what feels good for me. I think, you know, it's a ritual. it is a ritual for me. It is a ritual. And it's one that, that just feels comforting, you know, part of, I know you know this, but part of what we teach a lot, teach our clients a lot for grounding is like feel their toes on, mm-hmm. on the ground and just putting my feet into my fuzzy slippers is like, is so important to me and feels so safe. Like, oh, I'm home. I'm, I'm in my space. I think that, you know, doing small things like if it's not raining, which it has been raining so much here, but to go outside ride, uh, you know, go for a walk if you can, you know, talk to a friend, do something that feels good, feels good for you, listen to some fun music or calm music, you know, whatever, whatever feels soothing for you, you know, is it fast, fun music where you dance around your living room? Or is it, you know, something calm and soothing? Or angry punk rock. Or angry punk rock. Or scream, as as scream metal. Like, yeah. <laughs> as long as that feels caring. You know, the goal is to kind of laugh, enjoy, and kind of be grateful for the moment. You know, I know you and I were sort of talking before we did this podcast about how we were going to take care of ourselves with all that was going on and and how just being in the presence of someone we respect and enjoy and and feel understood by yes. it feels so comforting and caring and and for me energizing mm-hmm. and so be with those people that you love and that that you like and and are caring for you and that you care about you know walk your dog do something that that just is is totally dedicated to you and that you deserve it like that, I believe that everybody deserves self-care. Um, mm-hmm. And most people don't get enough of it, um, you know, and how to be able to, how to be able to balance that, you know, be sure to get enough sleep and go to bed on time and drink enough water and, you know, just really take care of yourself, you know, exercise if you're, you know, if that's something that you're able to do, or go, just go for a walk or sit outside. Um, Yeah, being in nature, being near a tree or rocks, if you can, walking is always good for, you know, that bilateral stimulation to help settle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something to calm your nervous system. Yeah, Um, whatever that could be. And I think you're only limited by your creativity to come up with what what feels good for you, what feels soothing and brings a smile to your face, you know, something that feels comforting. Yeah, I think, I guess this would be a good way to close that. The hard part can be tuning in to figure out what do you need. Mm-hmm. And so if you can kind of like go inward a little bit and just try to sense like what would be, what would feel good now? and from a kind of a grounded place, just see if you can think of something that you would like to do or something that would feel nice, not 
just to make yourself feel better, but feel like caregiving towards yourself. I feel safe and warm and comforted. You know, it could be as easy as like your favorite hand lotion and Mm -hmm. just, you know, really rubbing that into your hands and taking care of, of yourself and smelling the smells. And, and that's also really grounding and grounding back to today. So, or to this moment where hopefully you are safe and that even if you're triggered by whatever's going on in the world, that in this moment, I'm okay, I think is a really important piece to hang on to. Yeah, yeah. Because the reaction that your body has is as if what traumatic thing happened is happening now. But, you know, if it's not happening now and you are safe right now, then you can reassure yourself that that's not happening now. I'm right in this moment. I am safe. And yes, I'm upset and that's okay. And then how do I need to take care of my feelings, you know? Yeah. And that being upset is okay in this moment. I think, like you said, it's important to be able to differentiate between being in, in what we call a flashback and, and feeling those feelings at the time versus I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling upset currently and I'm still okay. And, and how to be able to hold sort of both of those emotions at the same time of, you know, I can feel sad and be okay at the same time. And, and that, you know, I can, I can tolerate sadness. Yeah. Maybe there's yeah. a good reason to be sad, but it's okay to be sad and you can, but you can also let it out instead of fighting against it and, you know, which just prolongs it. Right. Uh, and, and just to be able to you know, name your emotions sometimes, you know, that, that expression, um, name it to tame it, like really just, you know, noticing, dropping inside, noticing how you're feeling or what you're feeling and, and where you're feeling it. And, and just kind of knowing that that's okay and have compassion for yourself. And that, you know, I think the big piece is that I believe that our feelings and our actions make sense given, given histories, given what's happened. And just to be able to say that to yourself, I think is, is really, you know, comforting sometimes. Yeah. Well, Robin, thank you so much again for being my guest on therapy chat today. Really appreciated this conversation. And will you tell people where they can find your blog posts and maybe you'll write a book or something one day. <laughs> when I find a lot more time, I, <laughs> I hope uh, that might be hopeful. Um, Laura, number one, I just want to say that I so, you, I think you know that I so appreciate you asking me to do this and that you read my work and that, you know, you get it and you understand it. And I'm honored to be part of therapy chat and all the amazing guests that you've had. I I really feel it's a true honor. You, you know, I would hope that people might, might read my articles. Um, They can find them on our website. It's www.brickellandassociates.com. And there's a tab for blog. I've been writing them now for a few years and, you know, I really enjoy it. And I feel like 
hopefully people are are liking the messages and and finding some comfort in in the fact that they're they're not alone and that they can there is help out there and that life can get better. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. And and thank you for all the kind words that you said. I'll post in the show notes a link to your website and also I'm going to put your Twitter link because I know you frequently, frequently post your blogs there so people can probably find a whole bunch of them all together in one place easily. But, you know, and of course your website too is a great resource for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Therapy Chat. If you enjoy what you hear on Therapy Chat, please take a moment to go to your favorite platform where you listen to podcasts and subscribe and leave a rating and review. That will help more people find Therapy Chat. And the more people who find it, the more that helps support the podcast. As always, thank you for listening to Therapy Chat. Talk to you soon. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.